you have your Bibles, you can turn to Psalm 63. Um, We're just going to read initially Psalm 63, the first eight verses. So friends, listen. This is the word of Christ. O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory, because your steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. When I remember you on my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. For you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. This is God's word. We have begun a new series. This series called, What Does It Mean to Follow Jesus? In our first sermon of the series was two weeks ago. We saw that following Jesus begins understanding the message of Jesus. And we looked at the man with the two sons. If you'll remember that from a couple weeks ago. And we saw that Jesus relates to us in extravagant grace. Extravagant grace. He is the loving, forgiving Father who gives extravagantly. Who pursues us with love and then welcomes us into his family. And so today, we're going to look at the next step. Okay, once you've begun to follow Jesus, once you've understood his message of grace, what do you do next? Right, where do you go from there? How do we grow in our relationship with Jesus? What we're going to look at today is that prayer is the best next step. Best next step is prayer. That's what we're going to look at today. Prayer is real talk in a real relationship. And so for you who are new Christians, we got a bunch of you here, um, for new Christians, you need to know how to pray, right? You need to know what to pray. How does prayer work? What's the deal about prayer? Um, For older Christians, you need to be reminded that prayer is a key part of experiencing Jesus every day, okay? It's a crucial part of experiencing Jesus, and you can help other people grow in their experience of Jesus if you can understand what prayer is and how prayer works. And then if you're here and you're not a Christian, um, we're so glad that you're here. For you, this is going to be great because you're going to be able to see how Christians think about prayer. You'll be able to see what we think about prayer, how it works, so that you can see the impact that prayer makes in following Jesus. Okay? And so, before we get to our points, at the core, I just want to give us a definition of what prayer is. Okay, there's so much has been written about prayer, lots of books from all kinds of different perspectives. At the core, from, a, from, from Jesus' perspective, prayer is spending time with God. Okay, that's what prayer is. It's spending time with God. And when you think about that, it's spending time with God. That's kind of amazing. 
right? That we could spend time with God. That we could spend time with the creator of the universe. That we could spend time with the one who calls himself our heavenly father. The reality of prayer, the fact that prayer is talked about so much in the Bible means that you can spend time with God. And the flip side, maybe is even better news, the flip side of prayer isn't just that you can spend time with God, but that God actually wants a relationship with you. God wants a relationship with you that includes dialogue. Right? That includes communication. God is not the CEO five levels above you in the organization who you might see walking down the hallway but never ever communicate with. God wants to spend time with you. And so prayer is being with God. It's being open to his presence in all sorts of ways at all sorts of times in your life. And let me just say at the outset, this is good. When you spend time with God, it is good. It is good. Um, Look at the next two verses in your bulletin on page 6. We have Psalm 27, verse 4. There, the same author of this psalm says, One thing have I asked of the Lord. One thing. There is one thing that I've asked for from the Lord. And that I will seek after. What is it? That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. The psalmist says, I got one thing. There's one thing on my wish list. And that is to spend time with God. The New Testament says exactly the same thing. There, the Apostle Paul, who wrote half the New Testament, said this. Philippians 3.8 Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing value. So we could say, um, in exchange for, right? I, I will give everything up as loss if I could have one thing. Because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Knowing Christ Jesus my Lord is the one thing that makes everything else in Paul's life insignificant. He says, for his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. It's garbage, it's trash, in order that I may gain Christ. The whole Bible is a celebration in one sense of the reality that we can spend time with God. That's what prayer is. And that's what we're going to see today. We're going to see that by looking at this prayer in the Bible, Psalm 63. And so our first point, if you want to write something down, our first point is that prayer is based on a relationship with God. Okay? Prayer is based on a relationship with God. We see this in verse 1 of Psalm 63. Right at the beginning... There the psalmist says, and this psalm, is, this, psalm is, this psalm is written by David. So there David says, O God, you are my God. See that? 
oh God, you are my God. David is spending time with God. David is praying because he has a relationship with God. He has a relationship with God. Look at the rest of the verse. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. As in a dry and weary land where there is no water. David is saying, Lord, I need you. I need you. And when I come into your, when I spend time with you, what I get is refreshment. To be in your presence is refreshing. It feels like I'm exhausted and parched. And I get to jump into a pool of clean, clear water. What's amazing about this is that the time when David wrote this psalm, he was actually in the desert. He was in the desert. He was running for his life. Okay, there are two different places in David's life where this may have happened. Um, I think the one that maybe most people are familiar with is when the previous, well, King Saul realized that David was going to be the next king, and King Saul didn't like that. He didn't like that there was going to be a successor that wasn't his son. And so King Saul basically put, a, put out a, a death sentence on David and pursued after him. Saul was chasing David all throughout the desert. David was running literally for his life. And so David is out in the desert, he is abandoned, right? He is outside, seemingly, of the, the blessings of God, right? Because he's being chased. He's in exile. And during that time, during that time, he writes this. And when I think about that, I, I just, it occurs to me, how many of you feel like you are out in the desert? How many of you feel like in your life right now, you feel like you're out in the desert and you're parched. That spiritually you're running on empty. That what you long for more than anything else is just a drink of cool water. It's interesting because when we're in situations like that, we're tempted to get mad at God. Right? We're tempted to blame God and run away from God and pursue refreshment from other things. But what David does, David runs to God. David runs into the presence of God. David says, you know what, the answer for me when I feel parched is I need to spend time with God. Psalm 16, verse 11 is there in your bulletin. It says, you, Lord, make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Psalm 84, verse 10. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. Right? One day is better. One day with you, Lord is better than a thousand days elsewhere. 
right? This is clearly a, a metaphor, right? But, I mean, just to take it literally for a second, a thousand days is about three years, right? So think about three years. If you could do whatever you want for three years, so starting today, going to 2012, 2013, 2014, in June of 2014, from now until then, you got, you're free. You can do whatever you want. Every day, every minute of the day, you can do whatever you want. This person who knows God said, I'd take one day spent with God over that. One day in the presence of God is better than three years anywhere else. There is joy, there is blessing that comes from spending time with God. And we need to have a relationship with him. Right? It's based on a relationship. And the good news is, like, so what's great about this is that you don't have to earn your way into the presence of God. It's based on having a relationship with him. Right? The rest of the Bible teaches that God has established a relationship for us to have with him through Jesus Christ. God knew that we were running from him. God knew that we didn't really want him the way he is. And so God came down to earth in Jesus to seek us out to find us and to bring us back, to show us really where the best life is. And once we have that relationship, prayer, spending time with God, is simply living in that relationship. And so prayer is based on a relationship with God. Our second point, our second point is that prayer is real talk in a real relationship. Okay? Real talk in a real relationship. And so this relationship that we have with God, it starts by getting to know him. Okay? Getting to know God. That's exactly what David does in this psalm. Verse 2. Look at verse 2. It says, So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and your glory. What's David talking about there? Well, the sanctuary during David's life was the tabernacle. And I actually got a picture of that. Do do we have that on a slide, Michael? No, we don't? No? Okay. All right. Um, Here, so what you want to think about is you want to think about they had this, the place where they went to meet God was this, they called it the tabernacle, okay? And there was a giant wall of curtains that was like 150 feet long, 75 feet wide, okay? And that was where God lived. It was kind of like the church building of the Old Testament until they got the temple, okay? And in that, in that, when you walked in, you saw three things. There were three things that you saw. You saw an altar, You saw a giant bronze basin of water, and then you saw this structure that was covered by curtains and had a curtain going in. 
That was where God lived with his people. That was the throne room of God. Okay? And, and what that said to David, this is what David remembered, as he's being chased around the desert, as, be, as he's being tempted to frustration and despair, what David remembered was, he remembered, wait a minute, he remembered the sanctuary. He could see God's power and glory in his mind's eye as he remembered the sanctuary. Because what the sanctuary told him was that first and foremost, God is with his people. The point of the tabernacle was God telling his people, I am with you. My presence is with you. And so wherever you were in the nation, you could look to the tabernacle and know God dwells in our midst. He's not just up there above. He is here in our presence. And then, when you look at the altar and this basin of water, what you see is there is forgiveness with God. God is gracious and forgiving. He loves us. Because sacrifices were offered that, that atoned for sin, that brought forgiveness. And then the water was used to cleanse people. Kind of like the baptism that we saw today. Right? People were cleansed. And so David remembers these things and he remembers God is with me wherever I am. When I remember the worship in the tabernacle, when I remember what went on there, those are the things that I remembered. And those are the things that reminded me of my relationship with God. And so, and, and so David, it's almost like he's reminding himself of truths about God. He's getting to know God. And so for us, it's kind of the same way. We can see who God is on Sundays in worship and also when we read the Bible. When we open the Bible and read about who God is and what God has done, we look upon God. We see his power and his glory on display as the great God and Savior of the world. Right? We rehearse that, his cleansing power. We rehearse his wisdom as we come to his word. We, we receive the assurance of his peace every Sunday as we commune with him at the Lord's table. And these are ways that we can get to know God. And as we get to know him, we pray more and more effectively. Like we learn how to pray. We learn what to say. We learn how to say it. We learn who God is. And we learn how to relate to him in terms of who he reveals himself to be. And so it starts by getting to know God. And then it proceeds. Real talk and real relationship means that you talk to God. Okay? You talk to him. This is what the psalmist does in verse 3. He says, my lips will praise you. Okay, to praise someone is to honor them. To honor them, to recite their greatness. Verse 4, he says, I will bless you as long as I live. It's so amazing that he would say that in the desert, running for his life. Right? In the desert, running for his life. In his hardest times, he is committed. God, I'm going to continue to bless you as long as I live. To bless someone is to declare that, at least with God, that he's the source of what we need for life. Is to declare that he is the giver of every good thing. That he is in control. Right? To bless God is to declare to him how much he means to you. God receives that as a blessing. And so these are ways that we pray. These are some of the ways that we pray. And more generally, um, 
when you think about, well, so what are we supposed to say in prayer? Um, I think human relationships can help us here. Okay? In every healthy relationship, there are widely varying types of communication. Right? Lots of different ways that we talk to each other. Right? You want to think about a relationship that you have with a close friend or maybe a spouse, a parent, or a child. Right? Think about the ways that you talk. There are times when you adore the other person. Right? Like, I am just amazed at the way that you care about me. Right? Or, your patience is really wonderful. Or, you have such an amazing ability to give thoughtful gifts. And then there's times where you might hurt someone else. You hurt this other person. And you've got to go to them and confess something. You know, I'm really sorry that I yelled at you. I'm sorry that I hurt you. I'm sorry I was being selfish. Right? That's part of healthy communication. Um, then there's times when you're so thankful for what this other person has done for you. Right? Thank you for taking the time to listen to me. Thank you for putting my feelings and desires ahead of yours. Right? Again, just... And then there's times when you would ask the other person to do something for you. Right? These are just the ways that we talk. Hey, would you please do this for me? Um, could you please get that and bring it to me? Um, would you mind helping me with my move coming up? You know, there's, there's things that we ask for. The reason we go through this is because each of these types of communications are part of a healthy prayer life. It's part of how you talk to God as you spend time with him. They all have a place, right? God really does want to have a relationship with us, okay? And so there are times um, what we use is sort of the acrostic acts, the word acts, A-C-T-S, with God. There's times when you're going to adore him, right? Adoration is the A in acts, so we adore God. We, we just tell him how amazed we are at who he is. Right? A lot of our music does that. God, your love is amazing to us. And it moves us. And we just want to tell you how amazed we are. Right? That's adoration. And then there's times when we confess to God. Right? A, C. C is confession. We confess. Lord, I'm sorry. Lord, I, I've fallen short. Lord, I was really rotten here. I'm sorry. That's confession. And then there's times when we thank him, right? Thanksgiving. We thank him for what he's doing in our lives. We thank him for what he's done for us, what he's doing in us. Um, and then the S is supplication. And that's where we ask him to do things for us, to do things in our lives or in the lives of others. Right? That's supplication. All of this is involved in prayer, okay? Because it's all part of just having a relationship, spending time with someone else. And so these things help guide our prayers so that we can experience a full-orb relationship with God. Okay? If all you ever do with God is ask him for stuff, I think what happens is you end up missing out on what it means to have a relationship with him. You know, and you kind of become sort of a, a beggar, and he's sort of the dispenser of gifts. Right? Um, it almost feels like God becomes the government. You know, and you're constantly asking him for services. God is so much more than that. There's so much more to who God is than that. You want all four of those things to characterize the things you talk about with the Lord um, and pray in your prayers. 
And what's good about this is that this opens up so that you can talk to God about everything. Okay, there's times when you're in a good mood and you go to the Lord and you just thank him. And you go down the list of your day. Lord, thank you for this. Thank you for this. Thank you for this. This was amazing. This was am-, you know. And then there's other times where you're just in that really dark place. Lord, I hate the fact that my life is this way. God, where are you in this? Because it feels like you're not nearby. God, have you forgotten about me? I mean, you pour out your heart, your, your fears and your joys, your frustrations, your failures, and your successes. Like, God wants to hear it all. As you read through the prayers that are in the Bible, you will find prayers that you're... I mean, I've read prayers and thought, am I allowed to say that to the Lord, <laughs> to God? Right? I've had to actually try to work my way into some of the prayers that God himself inspired to teach us how to talk with him, how to be in a relationship with him. And so the more that we talk with God, the more real and personal God becomes to us. Okay? But that's just half of it, right? We talk to God, but then does God ever answer? Right? What about the flip side? I would say yes, he does. God does answer, and he answers in a few different ways. Um, Sometimes God answers by the circumstances of our lives. Okay, we might pray that something will happen, and it either does or doesn't, and we can receive that as an answer from God. Okay, we ought to be careful how to interpret that answer. Sometimes we're, you know, we can misinterpret not getting something that we want as though God doesn't care, but, you know, I mean, that's that's a deeper issue that we we could talk more about, uh, where you can talk about in your community groups. Um, God also answers through what he says in the Bible. Okay? Um, If God is really clear about something in Scripture, you can pray about something to him. You can tell him how you feel, and then you can read the Scripture as his answer to your prayer. Okay? God's not going to tell you something different than... He's not going to reveal an answer to you that's different than what he's already revealed in Scripture. So this is a wonderful way to hear the voice of God. Okay? And so God answers through the Bible. And then there are also ways that God answers our prayers by giving us impressions and thoughts about how he feels or thinks about a particular situation. Okay? And we see that here in this, uh, in this text. If you look at verse 6, David says, I'll praise you with joyful lips from verse 5, when I remember you on my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. And so what this verse has here is an exercise that David goes through where God is speaking to him. I'm remembering what I know about God. I am meditating. I'm thinking deeply on what I know about God. And the idea of meditation is it's, it's listening. It's, it's taking, the way I do it is I try to, like, I'll ask God a question. Um, Lord, what do you want me to focus on over the next three months as I try to lead our church. And then I think, well, I just, I sort of wait and I listen for, and and scriptures will come to mind, stories from the Bible will come to mind, um, impressions that I have will come to me, and I'll kind of write those things down. And what I'm doing is I'm imagining, based on what I know about God, what does he think about the question that I'm asking? Does that make sense? And that's part of what you want to cultivate. 
Um, In your bulletin, Psalm 46, verse 10 says, Be still and know that I am God. There's a time where you just quiet down and you listen. Psalm 1, verse 2 says, Blessed is the man whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. And so prayer is closely interwoven with reading and memorizing and thinking about what the Bible says. I've always thought about prayer as an opportunity to bring God into the room with you. And this has become very, very powerful for me because let's say you're afraid of something. I'm afraid that uh, a meeting that's coming up is not going to go well. I'm afraid that, um, that someone is not going to receive what I have to say the right way. Or I'm not going to be able to convince people that what I, would, what I think God wants me to do is the right thing to do. They're not going to be with me. So I go to the Lord and I pray about it. And what happens is, Lord, I have this fear. Lord, I'm nervous about this meeting that's coming up. There's lots of ways it could go bad. I've done what I can do, but they might not like me or my ideas. It's like the Lord comes into the room, right? And there's times where I've even said, like I've tried to imagine Jesus walking into the room. Because when he does, something happens kind of resets the entire experience. Because now I'm not by myself looking forward at a meeting that I'm not sure how it's going to go, but now I am here with Jesus. And normally for me, I just imagine Jesus looking at me. Because the gaze of Jesus, like I just imagine what the look is on his face. Because usually what happens is Jesus looks at me in this way that, that makes me super sure that he knows exactly how I feel. That he knows everything that's going on in my heart, both what is good and what's bad. You know, and I, I see him inviting me to let go of things that are not in my control. You know, like Jesus will come in and say, Stephen, you have done what you can do in preparation for this. The things that you're worried about are out of your control. Will you give those things to me? And I say, okay, Jesus. (laughs) All right, let me give those to you and help me not to take them back. But, But prayer is an opportunity to bring the presence of God, right? It's spending time with God. Right? So you're going into the presence of God. So, I mean, you can think about it in a couple different ways. Because sometimes it's you're in the presence of God and you bring your problems into the room so that you can look at it together. Right? Sometimes I'm so immersed in my problems that the problem is already there before Jesus shows up, so I've got to bring Jesus into the room. Right? But it's the same thing. Um, and this is a huge, huge, huge blessing. It's amazing because when Jesus comes in, he's got all the power. He has the ability to do whatever he wants. And Jesus is absolutely committed to giving me the best possible life I could hope to have. And I've seen him come through with that over and over and over again. And because he has committed that way to me, when he comes into the room with my problems, everything changes. 
But you've got to stop and listen. You've got to stop and imagine. What does Jesus have to say about this? What would he think about this? How would he respond? What does he want to tell me in the midst of this? And when you learn to do that, it's powerful. Um, this is kind of an interesting story that I read. Um, there were two people, they were both pastors, they were talking about prayer, and they were sharing about their prayer lives. And the first one said that he prayed at least 30 minutes a day and was super organized and made sure that in the scope of a week he had covered all the bases of the needs of the church and his leaders and the, and the needy in the church and, and the city and, and, the, and the movement of God, like all these things. Um, and he prayed for at least 30 minutes every day. And then the other one said, well, he said, well, how much do you pray? And the other guy said, well, um, I pray from one to three hours a day. The person that related this conversation said this. This is really interesting. He said, what kind of a sick, neurotic person would I have to be to hold a conversation where I speak to someone for three hours? Like, for three hours? Really? Have you ever tried that? You ever talk to anybody for three hours? Like, you know, I mean, what do you do with all that time, right? And then it hit this author. It hit him. He said this. He's like, then I realized this man doesn't talk to God for one to three hours a day. He talks with God. He talks with God. Prayer, it's not a monologue. It's not a monologue. It's a relationship with God. It's spending time in the presence of God. And if I don't get it, give God a chance to speak by stopping and listening, by meditating on who God is and what he might think, by asking him questions and then thinking about how he would respond, then I'm off balance. Then I'm off balance. And it takes practice to do this. Um, and, and I just, I want to hit, like, why is this so difficult? Like, why is it so hard for us to pray? I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've, all right, I'm really going to get good at this again. I'm going to start, I'm going to try to pray, you know, and I've had times, okay, I'm going to pray an hour every day, you know, and then I hit the first day and I don't even make it to an hour. And the second day I make it like two minutes. And then the third day I'm not, I'm not even doing it again. And then other times, okay, I'm just going to pray for five minutes every day. Okay, and even that, it's like I can't seem to, why is it so hard, right? Why is it so difficult? I feel like if you ask just about anybody who is trying to follow Jesus, like what's the biggest thing that you wish you could do more of in your relationship with God? Usually they'd say prayer. Usually, why is it so hard? So I figure, let me, let me just, if I can say some things, maybe we can address them. <laughs> Hindrances, right? in terms of, of spending time with God. Uh, number one, we think we don't have enough time. Right? Because when I go to pray, I can think of 15 things that I could be doing with that time. Productive things. You know? Things that are really like getting something done. You know? So we think we don't have enough time. Then we pray and we get distracted. Right? Boy, you start praying, and all of a sudden, I mean, it's, it's pretty interesting, right? You think, uh, you think of everything else you could be doing all over again. You think of a new thought that if you don't write this down, oh my goodness, you might forget. Or, oh, I've got to send somebody an email, right? I gotta, let me just type this out. And, and you never come back. You never come back. So 
we think we don't have enough time. There's distractions. We don't know what to say. I've been there. Okay, I'm going to block off this time for prayer. And then I get in, and five minutes later, I don't know what else to say. What else should I say, Lord? Right? So we think we don't have anything to say. Um, Then there's other stuff, which I think maybe speaks to maybe a lack of health in our relationship with God. Um, There's times where we're angry with God. You know, that something's happened in our lives, and we don't trust God, so we're not going to pray. Maybe God didn't come through for us in some way. Or, boy, this happens, you know, we have sins that we've committed, and we're not ready to deal with those yet. And every time we go to spend time with God, there it is. (laughs) You know, like I've had that experience where I've done something wrong, I know it's wrong, and every time I pray, I feel like the Lord is saying, Stephen, I love you, and I am willing to be with you, um, and I'm not doing this to make you feel guilty, but what about that? Like, are, are, are we going to pretend like this isn't here? I can engage with you like that if you want. Do you really want me to pretend along with you that this isn't standing in between us? And when the Lord says that, I just think, oh, Lord, and then I run back through, your ways are better than mine. You have a better plan for my life than I do. Okay, all right, Lord, this was sin. I'm sorry, will you please forgive me, right? If we're not ready to do that, that sin stands in the way, and it keeps us from spending time with God. And then I think, too, when we feel like we've prayed and God doesn't seem to answer, that's another big one that keeps us from, you know, from, from wanting to pursue prayer, right? Why bother? I prayed so hard so hard, so hard that this would happen in my life, and it didn't. How can I trust a God like that? C.S. Lewis wrote a book called The Screwtape Letters, which is his imagination of how Satan works in the world and how the demonic realm works in the world. And there's a great quote that whenever I remember it, it actually moves me and pushes me through so that I can pray. Um, This is what he says. Um, This is what one demon said to another. When people start to pray, interfere at any price in any fashion. Okay? This is what what the demons say to each other. Okay? You want to know why it's hard for you to pray? Sometimes it's because there's stuff outside of you that's acting on you. When people start to pray, interfere at any price in any fashion. When I remember that, it helps me not to get too busy or too distracted, right? I just don't want to give in to that. So there are a number of things that have helped me um, grow in my prayer life, Um, Books. There's, there's books that, that, that have helped me. Um, there's a book called How to Pray by John Pritchard that's been a really wonderful book for me, How to Pray by John Pritchard. No Easy Road is a book that was written, I think, in the 70s or 80s that I got a hold of when I was a new Christian, and it just lit my heart on fire and showed me the potential of what praying could mean in terms of a relationship with God. And so these are two books that, are really, that, that have helped me. Um, praying, Friends Help. Praying with other people can really help you. I have been helped immeasurably 
by spending time with God with other people because there are just added dimensions when you're with somebody else that help you learn how to pray. Um, For me, remembering what prayer is helps, right? Do I have time to pray? No. Do I want to spend time with God? Yeah. I really need that, and I really want that. And when I think about that, it helps me to pray. Um, The biggest thing, the one thing that I would offer as the best thing that you can do to spend more time with God is this. Have a time and have a place. Okay? Have a time and have a place. If you don't have time, Jesus wants to spend time with you. Okay? Jesus wants to spend time with you. Like, make time for him. Just make time for him. Have a time, have a place, and do everything you possibly can to guard that time from anything else. There's a quiet space in our house that I go to in the mornings when nobody else is awake. And if I don't do it then, it just doesn't happen. Have a time and have a place so that you can talk to God and hear from him. Right? And if if it's five minutes a day, if that's where you are, then do it. Then do it and rejoice in it. Rejoice in that time you spend with God. Have a time, have a place. Um, Our third point is that spending, uh, spending time with God yields great benefits. Okay? Spending time with God yields great benefits. What are the benefits of doing this? Just real quick, and we could do a whole sermon on each one of these things. Um, first is that you'll actually get what your heart desires. How about that? That's a good deal. Right? Psalm 37.4. It's in the bulletin. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. If you spend time in the presence of God, spend time with Jesus and delight yourself in his presence, he will give you the desires of your heart. Okay? Now, now watch out, because what happens is, as you spend time with God, what he wants for you is what you want. So you end up wanting what he wants, which opens up for him to give you what your heart desires. That's huge. That's huge. So benefits, you get what your heart desires. Second, you become all that God wants you to be. Okay, you become all that God wants you to be. This is the Ephesians 1 passage. This is Paul praying for other people. You ever wonder how Paul prayed? This is what he prayed for. I do not cease to remember you in my prayers, that God may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. Okay, so I want you to know who God is. I want him to give you a spirit so that you would understand who God is and what he's done for you. Okay? Verse 18, that you may know three things. What is the hope to which he's called you? Second, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And third, what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? So Paul prays for you. I pray for you that God would reveal to you the hope that you have because of Jesus. The incredible riches of your inheritance because of Jesus. 
and the immeasurable power that God has unleashed in your life because of Jesus. Paul wants you to know that. And when you pray, when you spend time with God dwelling on these things, you will actually live by that hope. You will live according to your inheritance. And you will tap into the power of God that's at work in you. And you will become what God wants you to be. And then the last thing, and this is, this is kind of where everything gets, I think, even more exciting, is that the, the third benefit is that then all of life becomes spiritual. Everything is spiritual when you are spending time with God. Everything is spiritual. Look at Genesis 28, verse 16. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. Here's what's amazing about the way Jesus works, is that the more time you spend that's set and structured with him, apart from the rest of your life, the more Jesus will show up in the rest of your life. When you spend time with Jesus, you spend time in the presence of Jesus, talking to him and listening to him, you will find yourself saying, at home, at work, in your neighborhood, in your friendships, in the service projects that you, that you do, in your community groups, you will say, surely the Lord is in this place, and I didn't know it. You will see the presence of God involved in more and more and more of your life. Those three verses right there, I mean, those, those sell it for me. Those sell it for me. Because what this, all this does is this, this is a relationship with God. It's spending time with him. And this, the, our passage ends in verse 8, where it says, My soul clings to you, your right hand upholds me. The picture here is, I thought about clings. It's like Velcro. Okay? Think about clinging, right? It's like Velcro. Velcro works because of a thousand tiny hooks that nestle in to a series of loops. Right, that's what Velcro is. These thousand tiny hooks. And you put it together with loops and they hook on. They hook on. That's what we're talking about. Each little tiny hook is nowhere near strong enough to support whatever you're trying to adhere things to. Right? But they say, I did a little research, a two-inch square piece of Velcro can hold 175 pounds of weight. Right? you got all those little hooks clinging on. Well, every time you pray, Every time you spend, every amount of time that you spend with God, you are reaching out with tiny hooks into who he is, into what he does. You are reaching deeply into his heart, into his mind, into his hand, into what he does, and who he is, and how he thinks. You're spending time with him. You're learning about him. And every time, these hooks are coming out of you into him, and you're clinging to him more and more and more. Every time you adore him, 
hooks go in. Every time you confess, hooks go in. Every time you thank, every time you ask him for something, every time you remember one of his promises, you get closer and closer and closer. That's how it works. And that's encouragement, because if you pray once this week more than you did last week, you're going to be more connected to God. Like, that's good news. Part of following Jesus is spending time with him. And as you cling more and more and more, boy, isn't the second half of verse 8 really wonderful? My soul clings to you, and your right hand upholds me. It's like we're trying to cling in and get in, and we're going to fail. We're not going to do it right. We're not going to do it well. We can know that right behind us is the hand of God holding us close. This is the God who wants to spend time with you. What would be possible if we were to cling to him like this? Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we are now reaching up into your presence, wanting you, Lord, to hold us tightly. We want to cling to you and to your promises. Jesus, we confess uh, that we, just, we, we fail to think about prayer like this. And we come up with every excuse not to do it. And we thank you that in response to our faithlessness, you just say, come. You just say, let's start new. Let's start fresh. And I pray that you would work in each one of us a deep-seated conviction. Help each one of us to decide now that we want to spend more time with you. The way we feel right now, Lord, the motivation, the desire that we have. We need you so much. Help us to spend time with you and help us to help each other spend time with you. Lord, help us to have the care and the concern for each other so that we would ask the question, how's your prayer life going? How is your time with Jesus going? Lord, let us pray together. Thank you for the joy. The joy that praying to you is Thank you for satisfying us with your goodness. Continue to be here with us as we spend time with you in the rest of this service. Amen.